Hello everyone, welcome to the International Business Podcast. If you work across time zones, borders and cultures, this is the show for you. I'm Leonardo, founder and host of the show, but let's make it simple and just call me Leo. I'm based in Shanghai and I'm accompanied by two co-hosts, Stefano, based in Paris, and Audrey from San Francisco. Coming up on today's episode. When you wanted to ship one container or you wanted to book one container, you ask for price. And then, you know, if the price suits you, then you book the container. But nowadays, it's the other way around. What you do first is to book the container. And you book the container without a final price. Let's say a 40-foot container. 40-foot is a 66 cubic meters, the big one. Before from Shanghai to Long Beach in California, Two years ago, it might cost 1,000 plus US dollars, right? Almost 2,000 US dollars. While now, from Shanghai to Long Beach, the same container, same capacity, it went up to 15, almost 17,000 US dollars. Xavi is the branch manager in Hangzhou, China, of Across Logistics. Today we're talking about the shipping container crisis. What caused it? How long is it going to last? And what should you do? You can find more information about Xavi in the show notes. Now, let's get into it. Hi, Xavi. I'm glad to have you on. Welcome to the International Business Podcast. Hi, Leo. Nice uh, to be with you today. Xavi, why would you define yourself? as an international professional? I would uh, define myself as international professional because uh, I'm exposed to an international environment. I believe that many years ago when, you know, when the world was not that much globalized, uh, people would work on more locally, right? But uh, nowadays with all the internationalization and globalization, everyone, any professional who is exposed to an international environment would be defined as, as international professional. Simple question. What is a shipping container? Shipping container is as simple as a metal box. Normally, you have, uh, you have many types of uh, shipping containers, but there is, let's say, two main shipping containers. One is the 20-foot container. It's a metal box where you can put uh, up to 33 cubic meters and around 25 tons. That's a 20-foot container. And the other metal box, the shipping container, it's the 40-foot container, which is mostly double size, you know. So it would be, you know, around 65, 66 cubic meters and you can also load up to, you know, 25, 26 tons. We immediately, I would say, associate this to the container shortage crisis. So the lack of containers has a ripple effect down the down entire supply chains, disrupting trade on a global scale. So, Xavi, could you walk us through what happened? Yes, it's kind, it's kind of simple, and everything starts... Uh, in 2019 with all, all the COVID when everything uh, happened and everyone went into lockdown, all the factories worldwide, let's say that they closed. People were at home. 
they stop traveling. And what do you do at home, right? You cannot go to restaurants. You cannot go traveling. You cannot go to the cinemas. You know, you cannot uh, consume many services. So what you do, you are at home, you know, and what you do is uh, just uh, buy, buy things, right? So all the crisis that came on that and the lack of containers is because we had the long lockdown. During this long lockdown, our consumption increased. People were at home buying, buying, buying things, you know, and this pushed the demand up while the supply was not ready. You know, uh, many factories, they were still closed. So let's say that um, people start to consume. Factories could not supply as much as, as they could. After some time, factories resumed to work, but couldn't, couldn't supply all the demand. So at the end, what, what happened is that mainly China, mainly China was the one who is producing at uh, over 100% or at, at 100% capacity. But the demand is so, so high, Leo. It's so, so high, the demand, that uh, China or other producing uh, countries cannot supply all the demand. And this led uh, to this uh, lack of containers. So looking at the three busiest hubs in the world, what is happening there at this moment? Well, if we, if we look at the statistics, uh, we would see mostly the, that the three main business ports in the world are in Shanghai, Singapore, and Ningbo. I would say that uh, Shanghai and Ningbo, they are what they call a producing port, right? It's, 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 it's a port that is very, very, very busy because there are a lot of, lot of factories, right? While Singapore, it's more as a logistics hub. Uh, Singapore doesn't produce that much, but it's a, it's a shipping logistics hub, you know? So it's a very busy, but, but because there is a lot of transshipments, right? I would say like, it's like Dubai or Qatar, right? Uh, there is a lot of, you know, a lot of flights over there because there are, you know, uh, transshipment. Well, what is happening there is that, uh, as you know, Leo, China is producing, uh, you know, at 100%. So China is trying to supply all the demand as possible. And, and we see, although China implemented uh, a very good uh, policy for the COVID-19, uh, there are still many, you know, many constraints on the shipping, and still a lot of delays. Uh, Shanghai, Ningbo, they are over capacity. They cannot uh, receive all the vessels that they could do because the, the, the demand is so, so high. I love asking simple definitions of business terms. So you mentioned port and you mentioned vessel. In one sentence, what is a port? What is a vessel? A port is just the place where the vessels arrive and can load and unload. And the vessel, it's like a truck that can bring cargo from one place to another. Thank you. I love simple definitions. Looking at the routes around the world, say, I guess, trading or shipping routes, so you will tell me which is the correct uh, uh, definition. But looking at the routes, 
which are those that saw the major price jump and why? China, USA, and China, Europe. And the reason behind is that those markets, the European market and the American market, and when I say American, I would say like US, Canada market, are markets that are willing to pay high prices. We can, just for your reference, Leo, uh, let's say a 40-foot container, 40-foot is a 66 cubic meters, the big one, before from Shanghai to Long Beach in California, two years ago, it might cost 1,000 plus US dollars, right? Almost 2,000 US dollars. While now, from Shanghai to Long Beach, the same container, same capacity, it went up to 15 and almost 17,000 US dollars for that trade. If you go and you want to send to Chicago or to some inland ports, then the, the price for the same container, it might go up to 20,000 US dollars. While in Europe, we are seeing prices also over 15,000. And for the North Europe, we are witnessing around 17 and 18,000 US dollars for container. And there are other markets like Latin America or Southeast Asia or Africa where the consumers, they might not be, be keen to, to pay as much. So the prices are a bit, a bit down, but uh, over 10,000 per container for sure. So according to your experience, or let's say according to your knowledge, who is paying these added costs in the end? Is it the final consumer that at the end has to pay, I would say, premium prices to get those products? Definitely, Leo. Definitely is the end consumer. This is like a chain. At the end, you are buying things. Imagine that you are, you are a company in Italy or in the US or in Ecuador, you know, and you are importing goods because you want to sell. You have your cost. And before, before the shipping cost, maybe it was a 10% of your total cost. While now those shipping costs, it might be 30%. So, so this, this increase on the price is eating your gross margin. At the beginning, I would say that all companies, they assume all those costs because they had they had, you know, some agreements with the end customers and everything. But we have been with this Leo for, you know, for over one year already. And it will last for, you know, for at least one more year or two more years. Who knows? We, I don't know, really. And be sure that all companies, all of them already, they have been updating, you know, their cost and their selling prices, you know, so... At, at the beginning, the company who imports uh, paid for this extra cost. But nowadays, the end consumer, it, it bears this, this cost, paying more for, for the goods. Let's try to find something positive, if, if any, out of this uh, crisis, uh, Xavi. Is there any innovation that happened in the industry because of this crisis? It's, it's difficult to answer that question because 
although the crisis came and there are many things you know that we can learn from them the shipping industry leo it's it's a very traditional industry you know at the end we are people you know we are companies that transport goods from one place to another and really the you know the shipping industry it's very very traditional and it's based on trust nevertheless i would say that there has been some innovations in terms of bookings especially here in china everything it's uh, very traditional although there are many in- innovations uh, in china but normally here in china you just book to the shipping line you know send in the booking and everything lately during the last let's say already the last two years or three years let's say but it increased lately uh, the freight forwarders the companies like like where i work uh, that we do shipping we can book online we can book online you know so at the end booking a container it's like buying a flight ticket you check the vessel or the airplane you check which seat do you want to sit you want to go to economy you want to go to business class so you can do more or less the same with the shipping you can book the container on economy or on business and there has been some sort of innovation on on that sense but still a long path to walk so you highlighted the need of building trust in the, the let's say in the logistics industry which is an a traditional industry but why did you highlight we know the trust is important but why specifically in your industry it is important we need to we need to think who is in charge of the logistics in each company imagine in a in a very you know very basic or traditional company no matter you know average company you have let's say the ceo the purchase department the marketing department and then you have the logistics department normally the logistics department you know it's a department that maybe takes some importance you know it took some importance lately on the last you know the last years but normally it's very basic uh, department where many people might not be attracted to work on that but the logistics department it's crucial to the company if you don't have the goods on time you simply cannot sell if you cannot sell you cannot receive income so at the end the head of the logistics wants to sleep good right you want i mean if you're a head of the logistics of your company and you are responsible of the logistics of, of your company you want to avoid any risk you want to avoid any problem with all the other uh, all the other colleagues with the marketing department with the purchase department with the production department right so you need to make sure that the goods the supplies on your factory arrive on time and that's the reason why the head of logistics normally works with the shipping company or with the freight forwarder whom they trust for those who need to book cargo in the near future what advice would you give them uh, there is something very special that's happening right now leo normally traditionally before let's say 2 years ago when you wanted to ship one container or you wanted to book one container you ask for price and then you know if the price suits you then you book the container but nowadays it's the other way around what you do first is to book the container 
and you book the container without a final price. You know more or less, we know more or less the price, how it goes, but normally you need two to four weeks to book a container. And the prices for the next two weeks or four weeks, they are not out yet. So my advice is that you work with a reliable forwarder, a company that ships containers or book by air, and you book in advance. To book in advance without price, it is mandatory that you really trust your partner because uh, you cannot wait for the price to go out because once the prices go out, the space is gone. I have this image in my mind now. You want to go to your to the concert of your favorite band. You're there refreshing the page, you're trying to buy the tickets online, and then you keep refreshing the page and then uh, it's fully booked and you cannot you cannot go to <laughs> to the concert. This is something <laughs> that is happening right now when you're trying to book containers. Let's say let's take this this case of of the concert, right? You know, you have some friend that, you know, that they got some tickets they can't guarantee you that they can get the tickets for you. Probably you would say, okay, you know what? I want to go, you know, to this concert. I know that it's once alive or once a year. So please uh, save one ticket for me. And just let me know, you know, just let me know how much it is later, you know. And because you have trust with, with your friend or with your colleague, you know that the price that you will pay will be accordingly to the market. I've got one final question I ask everyone who comes on the show. Tell us about one memorable moment from your international career. It can be a successful, a funny, or even a catastrophic episode. Your pick, Xavi. I believe that there are many, many, many stories to share, but I would like to share one, I would say like kind of funny, funny story to share with, with all the international professionals on the podcast. It was... 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, when I started in, in Acros Logistics, I was uh, in Spain before, and it was one of my first trips to China. By the time I was in my late 20s, I'm now almost 40, and it was one of, my first, one of my first trips, business trips, I came with my boss. So I wanted to give a very good impression. It was, it's my, still my current boss. In, back in Spain, the CEO. So we came here to China and we had a dinner together, you know, with uh, some, some partners. It was a typical Chinese dinner that you can, you can imagine and you can have in your head right now. They start to, you know, to bring food and dishes and more dishes and more dishes. And it was my first, one of my first trips. I was new in Asia. I wanted to, you know, to give a good impression to everyone. And, you know, my parents, they taught me that everything is in the dish, you need to finish. You know, you have to be a very well-educated boy, right? So you need to finish. So they would bring food and food, and then I was eating and eating and eating. I like it, actually. And as much as, as I was eating and finishing my dishes, they would bring more food, Leo, you know? So it was like kind of crazy, you know? So after nearly two hours eating, it got to some point, you know, that I told to my boss, hey, I, I really cannot eat anything else. I really cannot eat anything else, you know, because I, I, I will, you know, we will have to go to a hospital, you know, because I cannot, I cannot eat it, you know? 
And it was kind of hard for me because I thought, you know, finish all the food, you know, it's, it, it, it can give a bad impression to you, also to your Chinese partner. But uh, on that day, I learned how cultures uh, uh, work different, right? And, and I learned, of course, that uh, nowadays still in China, it's, you know, the host should bring as, as much food as they can, you know, to, to appreciate the visit and everything, you know. So anyways, I, I've learned a, a very, you know, a very good lesson on, on, that, on that day about the cultural differences between two different countries like, let's say, China, China and Spain. Xavi, to wrap this up, after listening to this episode, who should connect with you? And please tell us a little bit more about your current role. Well, my current role is to be the branch manager of Acros Logistics in, in Hangzhou. Our headquarters are in Spain and we also have offices in, in the Netherlands. And we do also have in Shenzhen, Hangzhou and Hong Kong. My, my current role is... Uh, It's to be the responsible of the Hangzhou office. And what, what we do is, uh, is, at the end, is very simple. We transport goods from one place to another. Nowadays, as, as you know, Leo, China is the factory of the world. And it will be for a very, very, very long time. I would say that any professional who works in logistics uh, can connect, uh, can connect uh, with us. What we try to do uh, is to connect, especially the Western with the Chinese. There is, a, there is a still a, a big gap in terms of cultural and also language between, between the countries, between China and the, and the Western. And what we try to do and what I try to do is to minimize uh, this gap, uh, especially as I know, as you know, um, I, I'm Spanish and speak Spanish. So there's a big advantage uh, and very good link with the Latin American market because we share the same, you know, the same culture, the same language. So we can try to reduce all these idiomatic and, and cultural gaps between, between sometimes between supplier and, and customers. So at the end, uh, anyone that needs to ship cargo from one place to another it can, can connect with us. Xavi, I want to thank you for your insights. Thank you for joining us on the International Business Podcast. Thank you, Leo, very much for your invitation. You can find the podcast on all the major platforms. Make sure to subscribe. Do not miss the weekly episodes. And are you an international professional? Connect with us on LinkedIn to come on the show. For now, cheers.